Welcome to a new episode of It Be Your Own People, a new podcast about what's going on in pop culture and being a POC in today's social environment, because sometimes it be your own people. Maybe it's your brother, sister, or a friend. Karen at the job or Karen next door, a leader of the movement you thought you could trust. Most of the time, it's somebody you already know. Beware the wolves, y'all. And now more than ever, people are showing you who they really are, and you need to know who you can trust. What's up, everyone? It's a new episode of It Be Your Own People. And for today's cocktail of the day, I have a nice ginger-flavored margarita. What are you drinking, Sally? I am also having a ginger-flavored margarita. How's why? Because that just sounded too good to pass up. And also, I made us a nice batch because, you know, I like to do my bartender thing every now and again. So let's get into it. Let's. So, for this week's game, before we get into it, we'd like for you to hear a few words from our Commander-in-Chief, Joe Biden. If we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout or a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. And with that, let's get started on our game where we are trying to figure out who's invited to the cookout tree. So what I notice is that since Joe Biden has been in office, you know, he um, he's a little spicy. He's been around Obama and he's been around Kamala for some time. So you notice how he said cookout before barbecue. So what I'm thinking is. For this summer's first cookout since the pandemic and everyone's been itching to get together, I see Oprah and Gail hosting Mm -hmm. with Tyler Perry, of course. Mm -hmm. Now, we already know that all the POCs are invited. So, um, I'm thinking that we're going to have, we're going to have little baby Archie and we're going to have Megan. Yep. We also gonna have Harry there too. Yup, 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 yup. Unborn baby, himself. baby's still gonna be stewing. You know, little baby girl princess still gonna be stewing. But those are the first guests that I see at the cookout. Who you inviting? So first, I guess, are we inviting Joe Biden? Joe Biden? Are we inviting Joe Biden? Joe Biden is there. He is the one who said cookout. It it will be in honor of him. This cookout that Gail and Oprah are hosting will be in honor of Joe Biden. Okay, well, thank you, Joe Biden, for the stimmies mm-hmm. and the vaccines and all the vaccine shotties that mm-hmm. got us here um, for this 4th of July Independence Day cookout. Um, I think, honestly, we can't have a cookout without Gordon Ramsay. Somebody got to grill the meats. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know that he's going to cook that to perfect temp. Perfection. Like, what you want? Rare, medium, cow still mooing, leather shoe, extra well done? I want good food. Period. Period. And then uh, who else you got there? Because I'm thinking I want uh, our, our Bravo friend. Oh, yes. Andy Cohen. Yep, yep, yep. So because we got uh, Gordon Ramsay on the meats. And Ke- Andy Cohen, he going to bring the tea. All the tea. Hot piping tea in the summertime is the best kind. Mm-hmm. But, you know, while all these people are nice to have it, we're going to have a good old time. We also need to establish who the hell Ain't coming. Who's not coming? Uh, for starters, Sharon Osbourne. Bye, girl. We don't need ya. Bye, bitch. Toodles, kisses, never loved ya. And and I guess her little friend friend, um, Pierce, whatever the hell his name is, Morgan. 
Don't nobody care because they're both rude. They're clearly racist. They hate POCs. They hate black people. And honestly, I ain't trying to have two wet blankets at a party. They can stay their asses over there in the UK. You are not welcome here. Bye bye. Yeah. But I'm thinking that um I'm I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna be all vaccinated and ready. Me too, for girl. This first cookout. I'm excited. I'm excited. But uh yeah, that's that's a wrap on who's invited to the cookout, y'all. And that's that on that. In this edition of what the fuck news? What the fuck news? There's been a bit of a buzz going about at Georgetown. Why? Because a law professor, who's also a racist law professor named Sandra Sellers, she gets canned after her racist ass remarks on a Zoom call about black students who are usually at the bottom. Yeah, this is honestly... You can't even say that we're surprised because we've already seen how in academia and not just limited to higher education, but all facets of education, students of color already get treated with a much lower standard than their white counterparts. So off top, labeling mechanisms are used to just pinhole students into certain categories. Teachers assuming that if they come from a certain family or they're of a certain background, Uh, that what's going to happen is that they're just not going to perform as well. And in her Zoom call with another colleague, the uh, Sandra Sellers professor, what actually said is, I hate to say this, um, but I end up having this angst every semester that a lot of my lower ones are blacks. Verbatim, this is what she said. And this is just not okay on so many levels. But my issue is when you have to say, I hate to say this or sorry, but et cetera, et cetera. That means that bitch, you shouldn't be saying this. That means that you are clearly racist and you have already made up your mind about a certain group of people and a certain group of students. And now it doesn't matter what race they are, what color they are, what they look like, you know, height, weight, whatever. They are paying the same amount of money like everybody else and they want a good education. If that's not what you're going to give them because you are racist, then take your ass on home. And I'm glad that she was exposed because otherwise she would still be thinking this and she would be grading off of these stigmas that she has in her mind that she already, you know, conjured up how many years ago like my question is how many students has she failed based off of this or how many students has she given a pass based off of this they didn't ask for a handout they are there learning they're they're paying the same amount of tuition and they just want a good education so if you're not going to treat me the same way then bye bitch go all the way to the left don't want to hear it yep and i'm glad you brought up that issue about the grading where so is it that the students at the bottom happen to be black or is it that you're applying a whole separate standard so that when you're grading, it just turns out that your bias and your self-selection that part. is what's generating that perception? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I am very grateful for Georgetown to kicking up its heels and doing what needs to get done to make sure that our students are adequately and fairly represented within the academic sphere. Now, moving along, Netflix is trying to be extra shady. We all know that they changed the whole market, but now it's just a little too late in what they're trying to do. They want to stop multiple users under one account. How? 
How are you going to do that? I get that you want to make money and I get that everyone's been used to, you know, signing on to uh, someone else's account and sharing the passwords and information. But there are now at least 20 to 30 different streaming platforms because of Netflix. And I, for one, am not going to buy my own because I use your celly. So what you got to say about that? Well, you and the 92 other people that are also using my Netflix account are hold up, hold up, hold mad. up, hold up. She really not lying. It's like 92, 93. I'm not lying. 92 people. Every time you go on there, my algorithm's all messed up because I don't know who is watching some stuff that ain't got shit to do with what I'm interested in. Well, it's not because of me because we watch the same shit. Yes, this is true. This is why I don't mind having, it's like a perfect pair. So the algorithm never gets messed up. But one of the ways that Netflix is trying to circumvent the multiple users is by sending a confirmation code to the person who actually pays for the account. Because I've already gotten a few text messages of, oh, there was a sign in in East New York, Brooklyn. Please enter this code into the device to continue watching, blah, blah, blah. Now, you know, that was me, though. It could have been you, it could have been my sister, it could have been my brother. I don't oh, okay, know. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. I forgot, you got people all over. You got people all yeah, over. Yeah, you know, Dominicans, we be like 100 deep, immediate family. And that's all good and fine, but what I'm saying is I'm not about to pick and choose what streaming services I need to have because I already pay for enough and I already share enough accounts with other people that I got it on lock. So Netflix, stop the bullshit. We are not about to each and every person pay for their account it's not happening yeah and we're still under a pandemic so stop yeah. trying to take away people's joy mm-hmm. like what the hell stop that shit period Pooh. and moving on to our final uh story of this segment unfortunately some sad news uh the of just a few weeks ago in georgia you know now that things are starting to level out a bit and uh, things in America are starting to come back to normal. What we're now starting to notice is a rise in mass shootings because what's more American than having a an extremist walk into any public space and shoot up an automatic rifle? But my issue is it's not just the mass shootings that are increasing. It's also the disgusting Asian hate that is just increasing, not only across the country, but across the world. I mean, it's it's a true sad moment in America, I will definitely say. I can't speak for the rest of the world because I don't live there. But in America, you know, having friends and people of all races, being afraid to go outside, which is, you know, any given day, any time, it doesn't have to be a part of the pandemic in which we're living in now but being uh, you know alive where you can't even go outside and there's a mass shooting or just you fear for your life because of who you are whether it's your gender or your race or whatever I feel like now it's just a copycat moment where people are like okay I'm gonna get on the bandwagon and I'm gonna be the next mass shooter or I'm going to be the next one to be involved in this hate crime And it's truly at a point where what do we really do to stop this? How can we really stop this from going further? That's my question. What do you think? Well, the first thing is having actual gun control because... Oh, absolutely. You can't really have a mass shooting if you don't have availability to mass shooting weapons. So if we look at other industrialized countries, Australia had one mass shooting and they ban automatic rifles for private citizens because again if i'm a private citizen what the hell do i need an ak-47 or an ar-15 in my possession it's not to go hunting because it defeats the purpose of hunting so the only thing i'm hunting at this point is people 
You shouldn't have that type of uh, weaponry at your disposal as a private citizen. Also, in addition to just checking the availability of weapons in themselves, because, you know, we need to also take into consideration that weapons that aren't available legally are still available illegally. Yeah, fine, whatever. But a, the, a good portion of these weapons are purchased legally with little to no background checks, meaning no felony checks, no psychological background checks. When we look at the intersectionality between mass shooters and a history of mental health, it's almost a one-to-one ratio. So we also need to think about that as well. I absolutely agree, Sally. We definitely need to look at our gun control laws, but we've been saying this for years, for decades. Each and every mass shooting that happens, unfortunately, before the pandemic, it was about, you know, once every two weeks, once every month. And now that we're trying to find our new normalcy, the mass shootings are increasing tremendously. Now we're having one every few days. So aside from that, I really do think that we need to look at the main issue, Uh, Well, you know, Charlemagne and a lot of other people in popular culture, Mark Lamont Hill, have also brought this up that you really want to control and regulate something, make it widely available to black people and people of color. Mm -hmm. As soon as they start seeing a spike in the demographics of POCs buying guns and automatic rifles, guess who's going to be coming through the legislation not two, three days after that? Stricter gun laws. And that's just, you know, the sad truth. The sad blackity black ass truth. Where we are today where... You have a set of legal norms, but sadly, they are applied differently according to the demographic. Um, A lot of this also, you know, just comes to cultural education, understanding differences between people, between diversity, increasing diversity in certain spheres where, you know, you shouldn't walk out of your neighborhood and say, hey, I've never seen a black person in my life. And now they're coming in here. I feel threatened. Let me do something about it by killing them. Like, no. A lot of this just has to do with increasing that educational aspect, understanding cultural diversity from the onset. Agree. But also when you do the background checks and you want to make sure you're doing a proper check before you give a gun to someone, I am a little tired, not a little, I'm very tired of people, especially in the news, in the media, when a mass shooting happens, the first thing they say is, Mental health. Mm. Mental health is a real issue across multiple races. But what I'm not going to have is for someone to, you know, commit a crime and be involved in a mass shooting. And then the first thing that they say is mental health. Is that really the case or is this a deranged motherfucker? And that has nothing to do with mental health. It is, if it is a mental health case, then let's call it what it is. But we're seeing so often now with the mass shootings that the first thing they say is it could be a mental health issue i just don't want this to be the first thing that's thrown around if you're white but we've seen the shooting that happened in boulder colorado he was not white and the first thing that they did throw out was mental health so my thing is we really have to call it what is and before we we do this we have to get stricter gun laws of course but we've been saying this for years and nothing has happened so it's, it's a toss-up. Like, where do we really draw the line? And, and after it happens, are we just going to go to the default of saying mental health? Is that what we're going to do? I've never been comfortable with just the categorization of, you know, mental health as a catch-all for mass shootings because it's already difficult enough for us to have these conversations about mental health and mental illness, especially within black and brown communities. To then have to add this, it, it, it almost completely starts to shroud an already 
difficult topic of discussion by not giving it the attention it deserves by just saying, oh, automatically a mass shooter, there must be mental health issues there. Um, so, yeah, I do think that having this overall categorization can be very problematic, especially for people who do have a mental illness and don't go around shooting up schools and supermarkets and publics with the good bread. Not the good bread. And, you know, we are always winning. Baby, we winning. But I am most happiest about talking to Sally. Who have you recently interviewed? I heard it's an Olympian, an Olympian fencer. Tell us about that. Oh, yes, yes. So as part of my university's uh, diversity and inclusion speaker series, I have for the second time asked to interview an amazing POC. I got the opportunity to interview Ibtihaj Muhammad. Uh, as part of the speaker series. And it was such a great experience. And honestly, at first, I was a little bit nervous, but her and I ended up just having such a great rapport that it almost felt like I was having a conversation with a girlfriend, like I was sitting with you or one of our other friends. And everything that she had to say about identity, diversity, the lack of inclusiveness uh, within such a male-dominated and non-POC dominated sport was just at first it was a little bit overwhelming but also it would it's so great for us to have these conversations to discuss what it's like to perform what it's like uh, to be an athlete in uh in hijab as a woman as a woman of color as an American who is also Muslim but then also dealing with all of those different facets of always striving to belong in a space that was uh, inherently created for people like her not to belong. Well, I am super shocked to hear that you were nervous because you sounded completely calm. And I agree that you and and Mrs. Muhammad had great rapport. And she is just so inspiring. She really gives you that angst. If you're ever feeling like, you know what, I don't know if I can do this. You hear someone like her talk. You hear the interview that Sally and her had. And it was just really... I just wanted to get up on my seat and do something. I had not a damn thing to do, but I wanted to get up and do something and just feel like, how am I going to be a better person? Because this girl didn't gave me all the inspiration in the world. So I really enjoyed that. And, you know, it was just as good when you interviewed one of the exonerated five last year. How was that like? Oh, man, I still get chills whenever I think about that. Just because, you know, my background in criminal justice, uh, generating social justice and then being able to talk to someone who uh, went through that. So I was able to interview Youssef Salam. Uh, he is a PhD. He's also a former LaGuardia alum. Hey, LaGuardia folks. Yes. So it was really great to just be able to hear his story and his journey beyond the prison walls and who he has been able to become, how he has used his experience for a positive impact. And anyone else would have been able, would have probably just said, oh my God, I lost all of this time. But he didn't look at it as time lost. He looked at it as sort of this molding experience that has created the person that he is, uh, the fact that he's able to make an impact in marginalized communities through his motivational speaking, through his charity work. So looking at that, and then, you know, also we did discuss a little bit his, um, his docu-series 
his dramatized docuseries on Netflix, When They See Us, uh, produced, created, and directed by Ava DuVernay. So listening to his experience about working with her and then seeing his life come to life on screen like that, and then also just having to relive everything, it was just truly amazing. And again, this is a perfect example of not letting anything in your past define who you are or where you're going. So now moving on, let's talk about everybody black at the Grammys. What went down there? It was a bit of an interesting Grammys this year, to say the least. Yes, yeah, so I do like the way that they had their little social distancing set up where they had the actual presentation of the awards outside. You could see that everyone was in their very cute pattern mask. Uh, you know, people were only seated with the people that they came with. They didn't have people seated in the same area. Although at times it get a little bit ghetto with all the like the motorcycles running back and forth in the background. Um, I did like the way that they set up the performances too. So I think that for having a live showcase at this point in the pandemic, it was done very well. It was pretty tasteful. Also, you know, one of the biggest moments of the Grammys was Beyonce tying with Quincy Jones for most Grammys ever. It's a big deal. So she is now the only female artist with the most wins. And her daughter, Blue Ivy, won a Grammy as well. But guess what? That's not it for that family. Hove, you know, the daddy and husband, is also the hip-hop artist with the most wins. So they're win. doing a lot in that family. I'm going to need to drink some of their water because they just straight, they stay winning. You know what I'm saying? Like, how how old is Blue Ivy now? She's not even 10? I don't know. She, she She's a hell of a lot younger than me, and she's doing a lot. So She already got a whole Grammy. I applaud her and, you know, do a little bow-dowing. I bow down. Yes, and then, you know, Houston is just continuing on with the uh, big wins for the night for women. Meg Thee Stallion and Beyonce were also the first women to get best rap song and best rap performance. That's a big deal. Meg also won for best new artist. It's great. I'm glad that, you know, Megan the Stallion, uh, she she grew on me. I wasn't really a fan in the beginning. You know, her music, it's grown on me. So I'm just saying, you know, hats off to her. Clap, clap, claps all around. And it was great. Trevor Noah was hosting and he did a good job. Me personally, I'm just a bit over the you know social distance awards i know that this is all that we can do in this time so for now it's okay but i'm tired of seeing it it's not my forte so you know just give out the awards make sure people get their due diligence you know give them their awards give them their crowns while they are here and also tiffany haddish wins in comedy tell us about that oh yes she is the first female to win since whoopi in the 80s and it was so cute the way that she found out because she was in the middle of recording uh, for her show, uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things, and they told her in her mic while she was recording, and she was just like, oh my God, shut up, I want a Grammy, I want a Grammy. And you know, you could tell that it's obviously something that's very unexpected uh, because she's not a singer, she's not a rapper, but uh, you know, there are all these different ways that you can now qualify through a recording artist. So the fact that she's now opening, you know, all of these different doors. And I really like the fact that the kids were there to see her win the Grammy because it's like, oh, my God, look at Tiffany Haddish winning a Grammy. 
And what are all of these other avenues that I can make my mark in pop culture and music and audio? I was just really happy that, you know, the world got to see this really authentic moment and her true essence of just feeling that emotion of coming from so far. I mean, we basically seen the blow up and the glow up of Tiffany in the past couple of years. I would say less than 10 years, but we've seen her come up. She's told her story. You know, she's been homeless. She's done the whole nine. She's been in top number one box office movies and now winning a Grammy. It's a true all around. You go ahead, girl. You did your damn thing. So hats off to you. Now getting into the sad blackity black ass truth. Awards that aren't doing so well, like the Golden Globes. Um, Sally, tell us about what the Hollywood Foreign Press has been doing. So the Hollywood Foreign Press is the committee that ultimately decides what films uh, and projects get nominated for the Golden Globe. And for these past Golden Globes, they made a whole big to-do about diversity and inclusion and highlighting black stories and amplifying black voices. But guess what? What? The Hollywood Foreign Press ain't got nobody black on it. How shocking. Right. So, again, it's turning into this whole performative thing of if you're actually amplifying black voices and you're giving a damn about black stories, then why is nobody black on your committee who actually decides what gets put in? How dreadful. An award show for black people with no black people. Hmm. Right. So, you know, big shocker there said no one ever. But I mean, I guess, you know, they're doing I, they're doing what they can, given what they have. No, no. You know what? I think what we all realize in 2020 is that doing what you can is not good enough. And so now in 2021, we not just we, but enough actors, actresses, people who are of the celeb status have raised enough attention to this to really get some change going so that hopefully in 2022 we won't still be talking about the same bullshit yep i agree so you know what for next year that's great that you guys had all of these black and poc movies up in here in the golden globes um for the next year for 2022 we're gonna need to see some black and poc people in the hollywood foreign press running the damn thing just because it's foreign doesn't mean that y'all can't find POCs out there. They're everywhere. We're everywhere. We are. We are always everywhere. Check your closets. Check under the bed. We there. Uh, and moving on to the GOP trying to pass more voter restrictive laws. Why are they doing this? Uh, in a in an unshocking turn of events, mm. Brian Kemp, Georgia governor, who you know can honestly go suck a fat one, decided to a fat one a fat one. I said what I said. You sure did. Period. Poo. Period. Brian Kemp signs into law this ridiculous bill that restricts voting laws, which includes you know uh, stri- stricter voter ID laws. Uh, more restrictions on absentee ballots, more restrictions on mail-in ballots. One of the most asinine aspects of this bill is now making it illegal to provide food and water to voters who stand in line for sometimes four, six, seven hours at a time. Because what we saw was in these polling sites where, again, surprise to no one, 
Uh, the longer lines belonged in these more marginalized neighborhoods where they did not have the adequate resources for adequate polling. So people who really wanted to go out and vote, like, you know, those 800 million people that, oh, those 800,000 people that Stacey Abrams helped get registered for the vote. Guess what? They wanted to make sure that their efforts were being heard. So, you know, the GOP behind closed doors where they're like, how do we keep the black people from voting? This is how you do it. You pass laws and legislation by the people that you have voted in that keep you from being able to actually have your voice heard. And it's also just a clear way to see how when people of color come out, band together and vote, they see how much change we can actually do. They see how much power we have when we come together and say, we're going to do this. We saw that in the voting in the past year, they want to keep us back and they want to keep us behind and they want to silence us. Well, this is what's not going to happen. So I'm going to need everybody to bring all their liquids, bring whatever snacks you need to and make sure that you are ready to vote and stand and bring your own little chair, sit for as long as you can, stand for as long as you can, Bring everything you need to so you can feel nourished and you can get your vote in and you can help others too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe Papa depends on because you never know. Once everything. you get off the line, you may not be able to get back in the line or they might make you go all the way to the back of the line. So we have to do what we have to do to make our voices heard. But it's not just, you know, the voters that they're trying to suppress. It's also the people who we elect in office because that very same day that Brian Kemp is in his little golem sphere trying to pass his precious little bill, uh, State Representative Park Cannon gets arrested right outside of his door for knocking on the door and wanting to know what the hell is going on. It's a classic case of trying to keep us down, mm-hmm. but it's not happening. Actively. Like, this isn't even just passive. This is actively trying to silence a black and POC person. But you know who can't be silenced? Amanda Gorman. Mm. And she gets racially profiled. Tell us what she was doing. So, you know, again, because being black and POC in America means having to justify your existence in every single space that you enter. Mm. Amanda is trying to get to her apartment. Where? Where she lives. Wait, where? In Washington. Her own apartment. Her place Mm. of residence that has her name on it. She gets her mail. She pays Mm. the utilities. Her mama be sending her her care packages there. She lives there. Her money. She's paying that rent. Like, her her green money pays for that rent just as everybody else does. Mm -hmm. So she's trying to get into this building where she has lived for, not yesterday, but quite some time. And guess what? The security guard stops her asking her where she going. No, she, no, he did not. Hmm. I've never are you sure you live here like uh, yes like why is it constantly that everywhere we go we need to justify holding these spaces whether you're trying to get into your own building get into a you know gym that you pay for you're driving a, a nice car you're trying to get into your car you're trying to get anywhere People of color are always stopped and questioned. Why is that the case? Mm-hmm. Why isn't anyone else questioned? Why do I have to answer to anyone for my whereabouts with the things that I pay for? Mm-hmm. How does that make sense? Sitting in your office with your name on the door? Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, in one of the jobs that I've held, I was sitting in my office. I had my very ethnic name plastered on the door with my very ethnic self sitting well, we in my office. We can't be anything else but us. We ethnic, we of color, we are here. And I'm sitting there and then, you know, some guy walks by and he's just like, oh, you know, students aren't allowed to be here. No. I go, I 
can't imagine that students would be allowed in a faculty member's office unattended, but sure, why not? Yes, I'm aware. Like, well, this is Professor So-and-So's. Like, actually, it's my office. I'm Professor So-and-So. Now, now tell me how here. you put him all the way in this place, being like, bitch, if you don't stop questioning me in my own office and asking me why I am here in my own office... Well, that's what I said in my brain, okay. but in my professional voice, mm. um, you know, my anger translator was doing all that in my brain parts, but in my vocal voice, all I said was, well, you know, I, I am she, she is me. I belong here and you can take it up to my boss who hired me and signed my checks, who's right around the corner and knows that I'm here. Not that I need to justify myself to you or anyone other than, you know, again, the person who signs my checks and takes some FICA taxes out of it. See, this just angers me, but I absolutely feel you. It's like after the fact, when something ridiculous happens, especially in the workplace, you know how you wanted to tell them where to go, how to get there, what part of your foot was going to end up all the way up their ass. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, you have to keep your professionalism and you have to say, excuse me, no, this is my office. Bye-bye, toodaloo, turn around, get out. And before you ask... No, I did not receive an apology. Of course you didn't, because apparently just being a person of color and reaching the status that you have reached means, hmm, oh, they let you in here? Yep, a person of color, a woman, a shorty 140. And gorgeous. Oh, thank you. You know. Well, well that's the other thing, too, where if someone is semi-attractive, you they're not even taken seriously because yeah. of this idea that you can't look put together and be smart at the same time. A whole hot mess. That's that on that. Because that's sad, blackity-black-ass truth. In this section of Black Card Revoked... Black Card Revoked. We are going to revoke the black card of the bonnet husband. Now, what's this dumbass's name? Derek Jackson. I can't. I just can't put a name to this foolishness. Yeah, so by now, listeners, you should all be familiar with a one Derek Jackson who has staked his career on giving unsolicited marital advice to others on the ways that they can improve on their marriage or what they're doing wrong in their relationships, how they've wronged their significant others. Uh, mostly, he's best known for calling people out for cheating. And guess what? What? Was that in the dark? Always comes out to the light. That's on period. Because Derek Jackson, while he was throwing stones from his glass castle, was over here just disrespecting his wife left and right all willy-nilly. So you mean to tell me that he, this was his thing. This was his, he was giving advice to other people, but he was doing this dirt the whole time. Right. Like, again, you throw, you shouldn't throw stones if you, if you live in a glass house and his was atop of Crystal Hill. I can't. And what's worse is that, so the story breaks, the, all this stuff comes out, and he goes, well, I never actually cheated on my wife, or I was involved in a non-sexual relationship with uh, this young lady who came forward. Then a few days later, he admits, well, it turns out that we were having sex. Uh, I stepped out on my marriage because I thought my marriage was over, and I'm like, mm, but didn't y'all have a marriage license that said y'all was still married? But did you tell the woman that? Did you tell your wife that? Did your wife know that? Did your wife too know many times are men out here telling these other women or men, whoever they choose to get down with, that they are ready to move on and it's almost over and you want to get a divorce. But meanwhile, your spouse and significant other is waiting in the bed, laid up, waiting for you. With a bonnet on. With a bonnet on. 
my whole issue is that homegirl, as they make a video to address the social media world or people who care about this shit. Yeah, and I guess it was supposed to be his apology video for stepping out on the marriage. When you apologize, you should meet it. Not force your wife to be a part of some bullshit where you can clearly see she's being held against her own will. Yeah, she did not look like she wanted to be there. That looked like, oh, um, the check don't come in till Friday. So I'm going to be here on a Wednesday. And I'm going to look how I'm looking, but cut the check. Not a Wednesday. Yes. It was hump day, but I don't think any humping was going on in that particular No, no, scenario. he might have to try and get her back in because he looks like that classic manipulative fool that could go step out on his marriage and his wife and his family, do what he got to do, and then he comes back in and he gives her the sweet nothings to reel her back in so that she will allow him to stay. This is a classic case of he ain't shit and she don't know no better. But, you know... we. Not that we needed any more evidence that he ain't, he really ain't shit. We did not. It gets better, or I guess worse. It I got guess worse. It, got, it worse. got worse. I don't know who it got better for. Maybe it got better for his <laughs> ego, but it got worse for everybody else involved. So he's got this little apology video out or whatever. You know, people are now dragging him on the socials. They're invariably dragging her on the socials because... As they should. Because, okay, homegirl did not look her best. I agree that she probably could have done a little bit better. Like, she had her bonnet on. And, you know, people were just like, oh, man, dog, I can't believe that not only you stepped out on your marriage, but you're going to have your lady out here looking all kinds of crazy. And, okay, fine, whatever. But you know what? Hold on, hold on. Pause on that. Because I'm going to need people to stop coming for the victim in this. She's the true victim. Mm -hmm. She was the one who was cheated on. She doesn't need to glam up and look good for some trash-ass video that her husband is making her be a part of. She was the one who found out her husband was cheating, if she didn't already know. I can't, you know, confirm nor deny that she didn't know. But my thing is, they need to stop coming for a woman who is trying to figure out what her life is like, where her marriage is going. She's not worried about looking cute for the gram or any video out there in the social. So they need to leave her all the way alone and mind their business. Like, what's going on in their relationships? How about that? So in response to this dragging or whatever, Derek Jackson, a.k.a. the bonnet husband. Bonnet husband is all Okay, yeah, so bonnet husband goes and does a reaction video. In third person. To his own apology video. In third person. I the whole time he he goes, Okay, well everyone's saying like, Oh, you you should have you should do a reaction video to your own video. And I'm like, I don't know if this man is trying to troll himself or, but I was just like, I cannot the ego. If men have nothing else, they have the audacity. Cause how dare you? And then and then at the end of his little um, you know, microscopic analysis of where he went wrong. He puts out a 50% off code to his latest book. A book that who wants to read? Like, why am I going to be taking marriage advice from you, bruh? Why am I taking any kind of advice from you? That is a problem, is that too many people, and we've seen this on reality TV, but those people are, you know, to some extent, you have fame to some extent, right? Because they're on TV. But they too often play with their marriages. We've seen that on Love and Hip Hop where they take their marriage for granted and go step out and they hope, you know what, maybe we'll get a spinoff show to work it out. This motherfucker over here, mm. nobody knows you. And you are playing with your real life marriage, with your real life wife, 
who looks like she is drowning and wants to be all the way out. But she's like, you know what? I didn't come up with a plan. I didn't come up with an escape plan. So I need to be all for this, even though he's making a fool out of me. Babe. And that brings us to our final segment. Celeb News Reality TV Roundup. Reality Roundup. So to start off tonight's section, we are going to ask what's really going on with J-Rod, Halo, Jenny from the Black, Alex Rodriguez. You know, I don't know, but I will tell you that I shouldn't have been shocked, but I was shocked and surprised when I found out that their engagement after nearly two years was over. And then suddenly, about two days later, we're like, oh, just kidding. They're back together. So I'm like, what, what's happening? Yeah, a lot of that didn't make any sense to me. I go, so you, first, I hadn't realized that they were engaged for that long. I get, I feel like it was just yesterday when they did that Instagram post of him proposing on the beach. Well, in their defense, like many people, they had to postpone their 2020 wedding. Mm, okay. So they were supposed to get married last year and they pushed it to, I don't know, maybe this year or maybe they just wanted to wait it out and see like everybody else, what happens with this pandemic. But I do think that J-Lo's PR kind of slipped up and let them let someone know that they were having issues and it got out to the public like, hey, they're rocky, they're broken up. But then J-Lo's PR was like, hold up now. We're not about to have this bad bitch out here looking foolish. You need to get back with him. And then you need to dump him because she's J-Lo. Like, come on, people don't just get engaged to you for no reason you're a bad bitch and you are going to let him go just hang on hang on for a couple more months and then you just you you let a rod go because yeah you do what having bad a little scandal do. with a reality star person Ugh. i mean really yeah apparently all this hoopla about the broken up engagement is because he was caught having textual relations texting or facetime not sure mm, well according to the southern charmed reunion special madison got called out for texting and facetiming with a very prominent baseball player mm. i just didn't realize it was a former baseball player and that it was with none other than alex rodriguez and she ain't even that cute you know, it doesn't matter how she looks. My issue is this is a classic case of a man who doesn't know what he has in mm. front of him. You don't know the gem that you have. You have J-Lo and you go searching for some reality. Thought he thought thought. Like, come on. Yep. And moral of that story is anyone can get cheated on at NT time. If your man is trash. Mm-hmm. If it can happen to J-Lo, if it can happen to Beyonce, it can happen to anyone. It's all about making sure that you pick the right person who's going to be respectful of you, your time, and your position. And that's that on that. Unfortunately. Moving on to what's the haps with the Keeping Up With The Kardashians last and final season. How long have they been on air? This is their 20th and final season. Girl, 20 years. That's longer than most American marriages. And I truly believe that they are only ending it because it's a pandemic and it's probably a lot to, you know, check their children, you know, on a daily to film, right? They have to give multiple multiple COVID tests to themselves and their kids. And since their kids are so young, I truly feel like that's the only reason why they're ending it because we all know that the Kardashians love 
the attention on them and they love money and they love to get, you know, bring in the dollars and get richer. You think maybe social media has played a little bit into that show kind of becoming a bit obsolete? Because think about it, they post everything on Instagram, they post everything on Twitter. Every time Tristan and Chloe break up, we hear about it on the tweeters and Snapchat. No, I, I don't believe. Social media is only helping their fan base. They have literally, like, I don't know, 20, 90 million. I mean, they have endorsements, they have followers, they have fans for decades to come. There's no problem there. And I do think that they might have a Hulu show coming up after this E. So I think that their E contract, they decided to end it, and they're probably going to get an even sweeter deal with Hulu. So I don't blame them for making the right move for money. They are all about business. That is one thing that Chris has definitely taught her girls. She's like, listen, you are going to do right you're gonna be business savvy and you're gonna look good doing it oh mama jenner strikes again she sure does but i will tell you that it was hard watching that you know first episode of the new season and knowing that this impending divorce with um kim Kanye, kim yay with kanye and kim is coming up so i'm hoping we get to see a little bit of that play out but on top of that, seeing Tristan, you know, sitting next to Chloe, he just looks like he's being held against his own will, <laughs> talking about, oh, it's a pandemic right now. So, you know, me and Chloe have talked about wanting more kids. I was like, do you truly believe this? Blink once if you want out. Just run away. Dude, like, he is held so tightly by whatever ironclad grips they have on that contract. I can't. It's like watching an episode. Of, it's like watching a real life version of Get Out. For real. He's that guy. Oh, oh man, I forgot the actor's name. But you know the guy that played the first guy um, that gets taken by the Get Out people? Yes, yes, And he's yes. at the party in the in the zoot suit? Yes. Yep. I, I'm blanking on his name now, too. But I truly believe that, you know, Chloe has found her match. I hate to bring up Lamar because he just didn't treat her right and he cheated left and right. But I think that they're a better match, you know, if in the future they can get back together, that'd be great. But he doesn't deserve her. So I feel like, Chloe, let this man Tristan go. You have your your future man, your future lover, your future baby daddy. He's out there somewhere. Go find him. Go out yonder and prosper. Yes. Away from Tristan. And another new E! show that's kind of a... It's a spinoff from Bravo, sort of. Lisa Vanderpump, our former Beverly Hills housewife, love her to death, she has a new dinner show. And on her premiere show, where basically she invites her famous fancy friends over to her palace. And their famous fancy friends. Yes. Over to her palace where she has many horses. Mm -hmm. Villa Rosa. It's called La La Villa Rosa. La Villa Rosa. She has every exotic animal known known to man. I mean, she got two damn miniature ponies waiting to greet you at the door. Who lives like that? She does. And she uh, she gives them appetizers, dinner, and a lot of drinks. And while the drinks happen, there are a lot of secrets being spilled. So on the premiere episode, she has a former NSYNCer. NSYNC, yeah. Lance Bass. Lance Bass and Vivica A. Fox shows up. 
Now, Vivica Fox spills a lot of tea. She talks about wanting to have had children and it didn't work out, meeting the wrong mm-hmm. men. She talks about 50 Cent breaking up with her, how she found out he was on an interview or like on the radio or something. On The Breakfast Club. She oh, broke up. He broke up with her on The Breakfast Club. She found out the same time everybody else did, which is a surprise. <laughs> but you know what? She's about her money. She said even after that breakup... She had to go and work with the man because he pays well. I don't blame you, girl. You got to secure that Birkin, girl. Get that Birkin. But I might slash his tires. Word. Because, damn, you can't, like, you couldn't even send me a text. You're going to go on The Breakfast Club and tell Charlamagne the God that you're breaking up with me on national syndicated radio? Get the hell out of here. All the way wrong. But the show is a bunch of laughs. We get a lot of secrets from these celebrities. Mm -hmm. So LVP knows exactly what she is doing. LVP knows how to overserve a strong drink because Vivica and Lance started spilling that tea like, what, five minutes into the show? Yeah, but you know what? They also own their shit. So they didn't have a problem saying anything that this they talked is true. about. And moving on to, we're talking about yet another award show, but this one is for the people, by the people to um, celebrate the people the NAACP awards it was hosted by Anthony Anderson for the eighth time and our beloved Chadwick Boseman may he rest in power wins supporting actor for the five bloods and outstanding actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and honestly besides the fact that these were his two projects before he passed these were two very amazing works and this win is more than well deserved absolutely it's always so good to see that people are recognized for the great work it just so happened that he passed but he before he passed he knew what he meant to the culture Mm -hmm. to the people and how well liked and how his talents you know spread throughout people and and made them joyful of everything that he brought to every body of work yeah and it's been really good seeing his wife at all of these award shows accepting the awards on her late husband's behalf because she also does take the time to spread the same kind of positive message that he has used with his platform from the very onset of his career yeah so he's taken too soon but his work will live on with us forever Mm -hmm. and it's great to see these award shows that are from us and like to highlight us along the way and another very diverse show that i love oh so much top chef they're having a great diverse season now top chef always just reels me in because i love to see these different dishes being made by phenomenal chefs things that i probably wouldn't even think of to make but it's it's a it's a really Great season, and I do think that they thought about the big year we had in 2020 and wanting to have diversity. They've always been great about showing diverse chefs, but I really do feel like showing different cultures and showing different people from all aspects of, you know, the world is being shown this season. Yes, and of course, you know, me and Tria are here rooting for everybody black. Of course. And they're out here giving us all of these good amazing cultural goodness highlighting foods from all kinds of the diaspora we're seeing haitian foods we're seeing dominican food we're seeing west african food and it's just oh my god it's been so good to just turn on the tv and seeing you know food from home that's highlighted in this nationally syndicated show but also elevated to fine dining where it you know it can be something that you can eat at a fine dining restaurant exactly i'm tired of you know 
high-end restaurants dismissing our foods because they're not exposed to it because they didn't grow up with it. Exactly. But Caribbean food is not just Caribbean food, okay? It is all that and above. But also, we have somebody who looks like uh, he's related to Laz Alonzo. He mm-hmm. might be his second, third cousin, twice removed. Yep. Uh, you know, big claps all around. Snap What's his name again? For Nelson Herman. You say Herman, I see German. It's Herman. Ner- Nelson German. Okay, well, Nelson Herman okay. gave us gallina guisada on the first episode. Okay, so. I saw beans and chicken, but okay. Well, you do your thing, boo, because we rooting for you. We are rooting for you, and, you know, sucks that the first person who went home was black, but you know what? We have better diversity. You didn't make a good dish. At the end of the day, Mm. you are there, and you're diverse, but you need to properly make good food. So you go home. He made a trash dish. I mean, you know it's terrible when it looks like it tastes bad from the TV. It did. As a home chef myself, I was like, what the hell is that that murky water? It wasn't like you could see the grease. Well, there was a greasy layer on top that you could see through the television. It, it looked like toilet water. I was like, Mm-mm-mm. so I was like, how bye. you gonna do that? How you gonna do that to your people? I said, bye, go home. And moving on to another food show. This one is on Food Network and it's called Tournament of Champions in its second season. They are also having quite a diverse season with a lot of seasoned chefs. Now these. The caliber of chefs on this show are, um, they have a lot more accolades. I would agree, yeah. Because you're seeing chefs from Iron Chef. You're seeing people who have not only performed on Chop, but have been judges on Chop. You're seeing people from Top Chef. You're seeing people from, uh, like, James Beard's award winners. Mm-hmm. You're seeing people from the food and wine aspect like from all over the world like these world-renowned chefs that have won award after award after award just coming in and throwing down for an amazing cause and what i love is that you know each round that you win you get ten thousand dollars to donate to a restaurant of your choice because it's obviously hard times with the pandemic for restaurants and the food service in general so i'm glad that these chefs get to work hard, win the money, and then donate the money to whomever they want. But also, it's just seeing that these chefs really have to be on their toes. It's not about, you don't know what you're going to make because there's a randomizer that picks a protein. I like that randomizer. It picks, you know, what gadget you have to use. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, just so that things are on a level playing field, they don't present their own dishes. I think that's the best because too many of these people know the caliber of chef and know what they can bring to the table. And then it ends up being unfair if you know like, hey, that's my friend or I know what you can do. And I'm sure if you had more time, you would make a better dish. I love that. It's all fair and it's based off of good cooking and winning money to give to restaurants that need it. Yeah, I love that it's, uh, and you know, Top Chef did that with the first episode too. So everything is a blind test. It's who you are is who you present on the plate at that moment. No one's caring about past performance. No one's caring what you did before you walked through that door. It's all about what does this food say about you now as the chef. And it's also given us a lot of really good ideas that we can try and use at home. Because that air fryer, baby, I've already been using it 
all the way up and down, but now I'm going to use it for real, for real. Listen, I did not know what an air fry was until I, I used Sully's, and I was like, hold up. This Neither is did a, the tournament chefs. I said, this is a game changer. I'm going to have to change up my whole life with this one right here. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to see what else we can come up with as we whoop it up in the kitchen. And with that being said, I am hoping that all of the chefs of color, we have Darnell Ferguson, Chef Manit Shahoon, Madison Cohen, Jet Tila, and Naisha Arrington, who are out there trying to make great dishes and win money for some really great restaurants out there. Mm-hmm. And that's all we have for you today on It Be Your Own People. Stay woke, stay alert, and tune in next time.